Hey, welcome back to the Wicked Ones podcast. This is Tara. And this is Jen. All right, what's going on? Not a whole lot. Just living in this frozen tundra Mm. forever. So cold. Although I really, I have to say I was counting my blessings this morning because I've been looking at what's going on in Texas. Oh, Texas. And... And the South, we are, our hearts go out to you. You are not used to this. And, but we're gosh, warm. They don't have any power. I was it's reading. It's so sad. Oh, it's so sad. The heartbreaking stories. I'm praying that they get power soon and they, um, that things get better down there. Yeah. Thinking about you guys. It's hard. Um, yeah. You told me you had a crazy dream, right? We've been meaning I to watch the, the Cecil Hotel doc. I actually yeah. tried to start watching it, but there was too many people using Netflix in my house so I couldn't I was overloaded kicked, internet <laughs> it was, I was kicked off but um my goal is to watch it I know we wanted to watch it together if yeah we can. yeah yeah no I just I have no idea what was happening it was like somehow Elisa was not her so she was somebody else you know how that goes in a mm-hmm. dream and I was like part of the investigation and we were trying to figure out what was going on so like I couldn't figure out exactly what was going on in the dream, but I wanted to go back into it. Like when my alarm went off this morning, I was like, oh no, I have to find out what happened. I think it was close to getting answers, you know? And, I mean, um, it's just funny that even in our sleep where these cases are like living in our dreams. I know. I know. I actually heard from one listener. She was saying that she's been binging us, which makes me happy. But she said that she's been having really bad nightmares lately. And I thought, oh no, I'm sorry, but... Oh. Keep listening anyway. You'll Some of our cases are really heavy. Through. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. We try to keep a nice balance. We do. We do. And um, I, it's funny because I saw a comment on one of the posts that we put up. We were kind of introducing ourselves a little bit to one of the groups um, on Facebook. One comment was that our trailer was really great and professional and they loved it. And I was like, oh, thank you so much. And then we and were- I was. I still need to get back to her because I listened to our trailer recently. I was going back. I can't remember why I was listening to a couple things. And we are a train wreck. (laughs) It's really forced, right? You can just tell we were super nervous and uncomfortable. And we were, and we just tried so hard that (laughs) you can just tell we're trying so hard. So I'm so sorry, everyone. We promise as we go along, we're trying to be conscious of we are our speaking and mm-hmm. our chatting as we're droning on now uh before we get into our story uh, we're trying we're working on it taking all of the comments and feedback we are so thank you it's just up until this point I think we'd heard from mostly people who really just love us and miss us and and that don't live near us and they were telling us how much they enjoy the chatter in the beginning and the banter because that's their favorite part and they just they they're like you don't almost love that more than the stories so please keep it in there and I thought okay well we'll do that but we also know that some people want to just get right into it so um you know just know right now we don't have any ads just fast forward us if you don't want to hear what's going <laughs> on but um we thought we would keep just a couple minutes in the beginning and then jump into our story so but if you you know if you like less let us know we'll We'll keep working on it. We'll make it shorter. and It's hard. And honestly, us seeing each other, this is the mm-hmm. three minutes that we have to catch up in the week. So you're really like hearing our lives. <laughs> you are. But we're going to jump right into it today. Um, this is the end of our February. This is so the end of I am excited because I still don't know what you are doing. So this will be my first two-parter. Uh so it's gonna hit. It's gonna run into March, people. I apologize. This is the first. This is our first two-parter ever. Mm, um, excited on the show, and I, I when I was looking over my notes before Tara got here, I realized that if I, no one wanted to listen to me drone on for two hours, that it would have to be a two-parter. So we didn't know it was a two-parter until just now. And today I'm going to tell you the tragic love story of Zach Bowen and Addie Hall. Mm, no I mean I I feel like I should know I feel like it's familiar but I don't know so go all right let me tell you uh first of all I just want to talk about a couple of my sources I know we always list our sources on our website I usually have way too many to Mm -hmm. shout out to each one or give them the accolades they deserve on the podcast but we always we always cite all of them on our website if you want them but there's two this time that I really wanted to recognize the first one is called Shake the Devil, 
a true crime or a true story of the murder that rocked New Orleans by Ethan Brown. And when I first found this book, the the reviews were mixed. So I wasn't Mm -hmm. sure if I wanted to get it or not. But what I found out is that it's not a 100% true crime novel. So people who just specifically wanted to hear the murder and bought it, you know, they thought it was just going to be straight about the murder. That's not the case. Oh, I see. It's it's a little bit misleading in the Mm -hmm. genre that it's listed in. He dives in pretty deep into the war in Iraq and the military, Hurricane Katrina, and all of the politics that surround it. Mm-hmm. So so this was right up your alley. I was in love. Because <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what's happening, mm-hmm. where these people are at in their lives, yeah. and what's happening around them that yeah. is, is causing, you know, the cause and effect of everything. So for people who just want the specific story, it's way too much information for them. Uh Brown is a NYC journalist, and him and his wife actually moved to New Orleans for this book. Oh, that's dedication. Wow. Mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. So yeah. he actually became friends with some of Zach and Addie's friends. Wow. Okay. Got to know that. That's very cool. So then we can hear a little bit more behind the scenes, which is was, what everybody it's wants. It's very authentic. Yeah. And this is also during the time where he was still able to experience some of the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. So, yeah, he's got a lot of firsthand account in the book. So I really enjoyed it. Oh, that's awesome. I might have to read that one. Yeah. I've got a long list, but I will put it on it. <laughs> and then the other is kind of a documentary of sorts called Final Witness. It was produced in 2012 on ABC. And I call it a documentary of sorts because it's kind of one of those made-for-TV reenactments. So it has real interviews. Um, Zach's mom is on there, some of their friends. So it has real people in there giving the interviews, but they have, you know, scripts and actors that are actually... Sometimes I like that. It just depends. It depends on how... This one was well done. I would recommend that. And it's called Graveyard Love. And now I'm going to tell you the story of Zach and Abby. On October 17th, 2006, Zach Bowen arrived at the La Riviera Pool Bar at the Omni Royal Orleans Hotel around 4 p.m. And this is a rooftop, like, terrace bar. Okay. Okay. And he hangs out for several hours. He's smoking. He's doing shots. He's running up a tab. Uh, He's drinking kind of... He's drinking so heavily that the bartender notices he's pacing the bartender is actually watching him because he's worried that he's gonna skip out on this tab he's acting a little off okay so he's been there a while he's been there a while yeah hours and doing shots by himself Mm -hmm. he seems stressed out of sorts definitely something that you would notice yeah Mm -hmm. And, and it's like a chill area from what i understand they have live music but where isn't there live music yeah i guess in new orleans kind of a family place too because it's a pool so uh, they're keeping an eye on him, and he at one point he paces from the railing back to the pool and back and forth several times. He's kind of pacing to the railing, looking mm. over back to the pool. He's got a drink in his hand. At 8.30, he finishes his drink. He sets his drink down, and he throws himself over the seventh-story railing. <sighs> I knew you were going to say that. That's I'm horrible. sorry. Oh, I know. Okay. I didn't leave much, much to mystery there, did I? The police arrive on the scene to find his body on the roof of the parking garage five stories down. Mm. And Mm -hmm. there's really no mystery surrounding the death. Mm. Clearly he jumped. He died on impact. There's witnesses. Mm -hmm. And this is post-Katrina, so, yeah. Yes, so that's another thing. Police officers arrive. Um, They're not super surprised about the Mm -hmm. suicide because post-Katrina... It was a real problem in New Orleans. And um, they they were a little surprised because the Omni Royal is a nicer hotel from what I understand. So it wasn't a place where it would usually happen. Okay. Okay. That's what I got from reading. I've never been there. You've been there. We can talk about that after. Yeah. Uh, So they don't recognize the man which I know probably sounds silly, but I get that. Working in healthcare, we have our regulars, mm-hmm. right? That oh, yeah. have addiction or mental health issues, and we can recognize them from a mile away. Yeah. So yeah. they don't recognize him as someone who's who's been, you know, in the in their hands recently. 
They check his pockets and his body for identification. And in his pocket, they find Zach's dog tags, keys, and a note that read, for police only. Oh, okay. I guess the note is several pages long, but I'm only going to read to you the part that I think is significant. Mm -hmm. It read, this is not accidental. I had to take my own life to pay for the one I took. If you send a patrol car to 826 North Rampart, you will find the dismembered corpse of my girlfriend, Addie, in the oven, on the stove, and in the fridge, along with full documentation of both of us and a signed confession from myself. The key is in my right front pocket. Call Leo Watermeyer to let you in. Zach Bowen. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know. It brings me back to Gary Heidnick's story. Anytime I think, oh gosh, anytime I, we talk about the kitchen being involved and several body parts, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's, it's a very, yeah, okay. So this went from being a suicide to, Mm -hmm. to a murder suicide really fast. The police go to the address listed on Zach's note. It's a small apartment above the Voodoo Spiritual Temple. I'll talk more about that later. I would not want to sign up for that day on no. duty. Mm-hmm. Of course, upon entering the apartment, they found just a horrifying scene. Mm-hmm. What they did notice was the lack of smell and the lack of blood. Zach had turned the the window air conditioning unit all the way down. It was blasting cold air, so it had more of a meat locker feel, they said. Okay. And there was, he had cleaned everything up. There was no blood. So did it seem like this had been, like, this had been there for a while? It seemed like it. Yeah. The apartment was covered in trash. Empty beer cans, moving boxes. Mm -hmm. There was cigarette butts everywhere, overflowing ashtrays. But there was also spray-painted messages all over the walls. Oh, so he'd been there for a little while thinking about all of this. Yeah, this wasn't, this didn't just happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of the the messages read, I am a failure. Call Lana Bowen with um, her number, which was his wife. I love her. Help me stop the pain. I couldn't finish. And then there was a look in the oven with an arrow pointing down above the oven, but on the oven, it said, don't look. Mm. He was obviously manic. Yeah, yeah. And then I talk about Lana Bowen being his wife, but obviously Addie was his girlfriend, so I'll give you a little bit more explanation on that as well. Okay. The police find two pots on the stove. The first one has a head. Mm. Uh, the other pot has feet and hands. In the oven, there's a roasting pan where burnt arms and legs. Oh, Zach, what did you do? I know. Then, and this I'm putting in here because I read it. I don't know if it's true, and it kind of makes me angry, but there's a whole thing on on how this would, the media, you know, just capitalized off of this. So I'll, I'll go into that later as well. But they say... There appeared to be seasoning on the limbs, and there was carrots and potatoes on the counter. I don't know if I believe this. Mm, mm-hmm. I'll talk about that. Um, in the refrigerator, the refrigerator, there were two uh, large garbage bags. One was blood-filled clothes and cleaning supplies, and the other one was Addie's torso. Mm. As horrifying as all these things are, the police find uh, even more horrifying evidence in Addie's journal. Zach took it upon himself to kind of take over Addie's journal Mm -hmm. and document not only her murder, but kind of his thoughts up until. Oh, okay. Wow. So he, okay. So we have a lot more to go on. There's a lot of stuff. Yeah. So in Addie's journal, it read today is Monday, October 16th, 2 a.m. I killed her at 1 a.m. Thursday, October 5th. I calmly strangled her. It was very quick. Mm, although, as we know from the cases that we've that we've done, it's it's actually not quick. It takes a while. Some pressure. Some mm-hmm. yeah. 
He also explains how he dismembered her corpse to get rid of it. So it, it took him days to go through this process. And so he was trying to figure out how to get rid of everything and not have any evidence. And yes. He couldn't figure it out. No. So he decided to cook it to separate the meat from the bone. Horrifying. I know. Yeah, it's I'm horrifying. Sorry. But I get what I get. I mean, his crazy manic thought process. Okay. Unfortunately, we yeah. can understand what he was thinking. Uh, in the journal, it also says, Halfway through the task, I stopped and thought about what I was doing. The decision to halt the first idea and move to plan B, the crime scene you are now in, came after a while. I scared myself not only by the action of calmly strangling the woman I've loved for one and a half years, but by my entire lack of remorse. I've known forever how horrible a person I am. Ask anyone. Aww. So he was clearly mm-hmm. not well. He wasn't in a good place at all. I mean, obviously, we knew that from the get-go, but okay. But reading some of his entries, there was a lot going on in his mm-hmm. head. Uh, so if you were to look up this story, you are going to find a lot of interesting headlines. The media loved to glorify this murder. It happening in New Orleans, happening mm-hmm. above a voodoo, voodoo temple. Uh, one of the headlines said Gal Pal Gumbo. Oh. So uh, Katrina Cannibal. Mm. There's no, there was never any evidence that he consumed any part of Addie's body. Even in the autopsy, there was no evidence of human consumption. Mm-hmm. But headlines sell newspapers. They do. So that was one of the things that drew me to this case. It's really, it was really hard to find actual info on Zach and Addie outside of the murder-suicide. I really wanted to, to get to know them more and what happened that brought them to this day. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was not easy. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Zach first. So Zach Bowen, he was born May 15th, 1978 in California to his parents, Jack and Lori. They were kind of gypsy-ish, I would say, a little late to the the hippie thing, I guess. When Zach was about three months and his older brother, Jed, was three, they decided they were going to follow a dream of theirs. They bought a PW van and decided they were going to travel around the country. So they went camping, they saw all kinds of friends, moved around from place to place. It sounded like it was, you know, a fairly positive experience. Okay, yeah. The Their parents weren't, they didn't have a great marriage, but they didn't have a bad marriage. There was nothing, it wasn't abusive, but it wasn't lovey-dovey. It was just there. Mm-hmm. Eventually they decide they're going to settle down in Washington, and that lasted about five years. Zach's dad was... Still in his ways. He was staying out, partying, all of that. And his wife, Lori, just couldn't take it. So after five years in Washington, she decided to file for divorce. She left and she moved back to Cali with the boys. Jack stayed in Washington. Zach's childhood outside of that is really kind of uneventful. Although he did always struggle with self-esteem. He was 6'10". Oh, wow. Okay. But he probably... Self-esteem, did he play sports? No. I feel like that helps so much. But he he was like, would have been a great basketball player. Maybe. I mean, I know it didn't sound like basketball was his thing. Yeah. He was kind of like, more of like a metal kid from what I get. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, size 17 shoe. So you can't... You can't miss this kid. No. And you know when you're kind of like... I picture him, and I could be wrong, but this is me, my imagination. Mm-hmm. Like, trying to go through the hallway, trying to be like shorter. Can you imagine being in high oh, school, like 6'10"? Yeah. Like, kind of trying to blend in and kind of hunch yeah. down. You know the kid I'm talking about. I do. That's what I imagine. So he's he really stuck out because he was yeah. a big kid. And he was kind of gangly. He hadn't really filled out yet. Uh, he was quiet, but he was well-liked. He was a good student. He was part of his homecoming court. Or he was nominated as part of the homecoming court. But he did not win homecoming king. And his family talks about this being a very big loss for Zach, which... I tried to appreciate, but it's hard for me to understand because high school is not important. I, yeah, I know. I try, I'm trying, like when I was reading this and they said after he lost, 
he didn't get homecoming king. His attitude changed. His grades kind of dropped. But it sounds like he put himself out there a little bit. Everyone in the homecoming court took it very seriously. They were all, like, dressed up, mm-hmm. fancy, gave these speeches about change. He put on a cape and talked about implementing naps. Okay. So he just... So he was kind of just... Being a funny guy. Being, yeah, like the jokester. Like, oh, they're, they're going to appreciate this. It's going to be... It's going to be awesome. Yeah. He, I sounds like he took that risk and it wasn't well received. Oh, and then yeah. he kind of fell back. But, you know, I try to relate. I know that's not a big deal. But I guess I, it's probably embarrassing. We're going yeah, to, I go through this with yeah. my kids now where they think one thing happens and it's the absolute mm-hmm. end of the world. Oh, yeah. And I just want to tell them it's not a big deal. But at that time, it is. I mean, I world. get it. There were definitely things in high school I look back on and I think, ugh. How was that such a big deal to me when we just, we, we, we know more. We're mature. We look back. We're like, oh, that's so not anything to have been. But back then, it's like, that's your, that's all your only focus. You can't see past it. No, you can't. So after all this happens, he decides he's going to move in with his dad in Washington. He's not, he doesn't have a troubled relationship with his mom or anything. He just needs a change. Yeah. Okay. So he drops out of high school and he goes to live with his dad. His dad doesn't sound like the greatest role model because he's still just doing his own thing. Well, he's never had to have that accountability after the divorce. It was kind of like, all right, I can yeah. be selfish and do what I'm I gonna want. I'm going to keep doing yeah. whatever I'm doing. Uh, they decide, Zach and his dad decide they're going to go on a road trip. So they kind of move around a little bit. They end up in New Orleans, decide they like it there. They're going to stay. Zach ran roles in high school, but he drops out again. He's just, he's loves New Orleans, but he's not digging the school. I guess to each their own. Like, mm-hmm. He tried. Yeah. He tried. Well, you guys, he tried to go back, but. I can't imagine trying to become a responsible student at that age in New Orleans. Mm-mm. So before Mm-mm. he's even 18, he's partying on of Bourbon course. Street. Of course. Oh, yeah. This sounds like a disaster. Oh. I can't even I'm imagine. I'm not sure they would really card that Could hard you imagine and... our husbands oh, no. in high school on Bourbon Street? I don't know that we would have. they would have made it out. Oh, we right. Would, they yeah. wouldn't be our The husbands. partying and the late nights. <laughs> From what I understand, you can find... A party anywhere oh, at any time with like, and you'll fit in. Like, it's you'll find crazy your down there. It's crazy, and you're right. Like when you said that, I think of all the different kinds of people that I encountered, and it's just, it's it's strange to us, I think, because we don't see that here mm-hmm. where we live. But you know, down there, it's you'd see somebody dressed as a vampire walking down the street in the middle of the day, and people are just normal. It's just normal. It's totally yeah. fine. We don't have that here. Yeah. I'm glad there is a place where we can have that. Oh, but sure. Yeah. Not, I'm not saying there's anything wrong. It was yeah, very it's entertaining to see all of the different types of people and just to kind of be like, wow, you know, I, that's amazing that they can just be and move around and do their art in the street. And they looked happy. Yeah. No, know. it sounds like people who live there and love it. I mean, that's they are very passionate. Yeah. So he starts working in on Bourbon Street. Okay. He's only 18, uh, but he has started to grow into his gangly body. He's becoming like this handsome man. He's got this chiseled face. Yeah, okay. And he is a dream for the bartending business because... Oh, I bet. He, right? Yeah. Like, he draws in all the ladies. So he gets a job. Again, he's hard to miss, but in a good way now. Yeah, right. Yeah. Now he's tall mm-hmm. and it handsome. It takes boys so long to grow into themselves. It does. It does. He starts working at a go-cup window. And I didn't know what this was at first. So I had to look it up. But as you know, you can drink yeah. while oh, you're yeah. walking around. Oh, so yeah. these oh, are yeah. windows where you can get, like, your to-go yeah. alcoholic beverages. So he's yelling out the window at everybody. You know, this is where his silliness and his good looks just brought great business for them because he's bantering. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't. Oh, yeah. I can only picture what it's like. Those go cup windows are fun. I, mean, I stopped at a couple of them. Although, <laughs> when it's almost a hundred degrees, don't get a bloody mary. It's a really <laughs> bad decision. They shouldn't even sell those there. This shouldn't even be an option. Come on. Oh, I, so I can just that, picture was... you. This is going to be delicious. <laughs> As you're pouring yeah. sweat and like shriveling up. And then he drank like a quarter of it and was like, I need a new drink. <laughs> so working the go-cup window is how he meets his future wife, Lana Shupak. 
he was yelling out the window for her and her friend to come over and do shots with him. She thought he was gorgeous and was immediately taken by by Zach. Just fell in like love mm-hmm. instantly. Lana was there in New Orleans with some girlfriends on a girls' trip. She was visiting from Dallas. She had just moved to Dallas from Mexico City. She too was a bit gypsy like. I was thinking, yeah, okay. She was married but divorced in her early twenties. It was an abusive marriage. And she also had a bit of a problematic past. She was adopted, rebellious. She moved out into her own apartment at the age of 14. Oh, wow. I don't know how that's possible. Yeah. I assume she must have been living with someone else. She became an exotic dancer before the age of 18, moving around to wherever the party and the next job took her. So she was experienced girl. I mean, mm-hmm. she knew what she was doing. They both lived that, in that lifestyle. They yeah. did, yeah. Mm-hmm. She partied with Zach during her visit to New Orleans and then went back to Dallas, but they stayed in touch. Zach called her every day telling her to come back. Every day. So she did. And she ended up running a room above a strip club on Bourbon Street, and it only took him a couple of weeks to convince her to come back. And they became inseparable. But later that year, Lana found out he was only 18 and just freaked out. She didn't know how old he was. No. I don't know how that's possible. No. So she thought he was at least 21, which, and she was 28. I mean, I guess I could see that. He's working with alcohol. Yeah, she was, that's You'd what she You'd think that says. you would ask somebody, He's, however, how old they how are. When's your birthday? How old are you going to be? I don't know, but she was mortified. So she just distanced herself from Zach. You're a baby. I'm so much older than you. Mm-hmm. This can't be going on. But then she discovers she's pregnant. Okay. And at first she wasn't going to tell Zach anything. But she changed her mind. She also told him with no pressure. Mm. She just put it on him. She just said, mm-hmm. I'm pregnant. I'm having this baby. Yeah. Do what you want. Do what be you a will. part of it. Whatever you decide. Yes. She did not. Say, we need to be together. We need mm-hmm. to be a family. She didn't do any of that. She just put it all on him. And Zach did not, he didn't take to that very well. He, he did not want to be a dad. Well, he's still pretty young. I could see where that wouldn't be in the plans yet. He uh, wrote a letter to his mom about how this was the biggest mistake he's made yet. Mm. Uh, he wrote her that he didn't need her to remind him that this is a mistake, to please think about this before you call me. I already know I messed up. I don't need you to tell me again. And he says that he is not going to stay with Lana. He's not going to be a dad. He's going to see her through the pregnancy, and then that's it. I don't understand that logic, but that was his plan. But they they don't see each other in the pregnancy, and... Uh, Lana didn't even call Zach when she went into labor. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they really weren't. They weren't together. Mm-hmm. And he didn't find out for a few weeks until Lana had a friend call Zach for her. Zach immediately went over to where Lana was living and met his son. And it was just love at first sight. Aww. Zach was crazy in love with his son, Jackson. I do like hearing that. I do. I love hearing that because, you know, you always think about some of these things and the the kids listening to their parents saying things like, oh, well, I don't want to be a part of it. This is the biggest mistake in my life. And then this whole, I just fell in love. I couldn't help it. That has to make you as a, as a, as a child goosebumps. feel. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, it's different because when we become pregnant, we're like moms right away. Yeah. Dads don't get on the boat for a while. No. <laughs> they don't think it's cool to be like, hey, check out my stomach. Isn't this amazing? Like, yeah. They're really freaked out by that. And I, we thought that was like the coolest thing ever. <laughs> yeah. It's, I think it's just different for them. Yeah. And of course, seeing Zach love Jackson made Lana look at Zach differently. Mm-hmm. And Zach, eventually, he starts working on Lana. He wants them to be a family. He wants them to give it another try. And eventually, Lana gives in. Zach worked two jobs bartending. Even one of his jobs had insurance, was, which obviously bartending, that's super rare. Yeah. And But he's still working in New Orleans as a teenager, so he's struggling to keep it together. It's yeah. got to be hard to be responsible being a 
bartender mm-hmm. in New Orleans mm-hmm. as a teenager. I mean, he's not even 21. Yeah. I can't even imagine. He ends up arrested with a friend, but that's paraphernalia and marijuana. But he does end up getting off on the charges because his friend admitted that it was his and not oh, Zach's. Oh, okay. But Zach is still embarrassed by this because he's trying to get it together, right? He's trying to act as a grown-up. He's trying to take care of his family. And this is a little bit of a blow to his self-esteem. I can see that, yeah. After this, he also suggests to Lana that they get married. He wants to make their family official. She's still not really on board, so he persuades her with the excuse of insurance. Oh, yeah, because that's that's why everyone should get married. I know. Mm. I can see this happening, though. Yeah, I, I know, can, I can. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. stuck in the situation. He, she doesn't have any insurance, you know, trying. I can see how this plays out. Yeah. Oh, of course. I'm sure it happens all the time. I'm sure. He also, this is just a fun fact, side note. He wins a drink-making contest. And he wins a trip to Belize. Well, how do you enter? <laughs> I want to make a drink and win voted. a trip. They vote. He made this drink and <gasps> everyone voted for his. So he won this trip So it was like featured Belize. at the bar. Yeah. And then whoever. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And they were going to use that for their honeymoon. But Lana discovered she was pregnant with their second child shortly before the wedding. Oh. He puts a damper on Belize. No Belize. No Belize. Okay. Uh, they married outside in Jackson Square. With tours stopping by to watch. That would make me nervous. Mm. But from what I understand, that's just That's New Orleans. Orleans. I mean, yeah. I saw some... I think we saw at least two weddings. People dressed up getting pictures or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. Um, It's another baby on the way. And then being married, Zach really ramped up his, his working. He was doing double shifts at both jobs, prepping for the family. He was very concerned about his future and now the future of his family. And he started thinking back to conversations that he had had with his brother who was in the army. His brother had suggested that he join the military as well. He was concerned for Jack's future, telling him that New Orleans didn't have anything for him or his family. Mm-hmm. That's not a family environment. Zach needed to think about it. He didn't have an education. There's... He couldn't keep supporting his family working jobs in a bar. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, his brother had a point. He did. And I think Zach just felt like his back was up against the wall, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not like you're going to college and making a career when you already have a family. Right. When you don't have the support. I mean, it was just them. Well, then he hadn't even finished. He didn't have his GED, does no, he? No. Okay. So at this time, he decides he's going to get his GED. And he does. Okay. So in the fall of 1999, he gets his GED. And then in the May of 2000... He enlists in the Army for eight years. So he signed up for two terms. Okay. Wow, right away. Right away. Is that common? Or do people usually just do one term and then re-enlist? I don't know. I assume that people... And this is me Maybe they had some kind of a deal or something. I was going to say, I'm sure there was probably a benefit for eight years. And you get like X amount extra or something. Or maybe it has something to do with education. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, I'm not sure. I assume there had to be a benefit of signing up for eight years right away. And when Lana talks about this, she says how he did this to give them a better life. So she wouldn't have to strip anymore. He wouldn't have to bartend. They would have insurance, safety, security. He attended basic training in Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. That's where my brother was. He didn't do basic training there, but he was there. Oh, okay. Um, and then in June, so he completed in June he was done and he had completely been thriving in the military lifestyle, which to me is crazy. But that yeah. just goes to show you what he needed. Uh-huh. He needed that routine and that regimented and he also needed the people. So he loved the belonging. Okay. As yeah, well. I can see that part too. Yeah, but um, I mean, right, because we always say our kids need a schedule. Our kids need something. They they don't love the rules and they don't love that. But once they get into that like schedule and routine mm-hmm. and that set, they know what to expect and they do better. Yeah. No, they were. He absolutely. His letters back to family were positive and upbeat. He was really enjoying the lifestyle. His first assignment he requested to be in Europe. So he was super excited when he uh, was assigned to Geese in Germany in October. With the 527th Military Police Company. 
okay. He continued to thrive in Germany. His soldiers, fellow soldiers, loved being around him. Uh, some described his energy as even addictive because he was always so upbeat to be around. That's yeah. a really... Yeah, that's a nice that's quality. A, that's a really mm-hmm. high compliment. It is, yeah. Uh, he would entertain all of them for hours with his drum playing and his bartending skills. Oh, they, yeah. Definitely sounds like somebody, if I were overseas and in the military, I would want him yeah. to be in my group. Uh-huh. Totally. Yeah. Always just laughing and joking around and singing. And we yeah. have, we know people like oh, this. Oh, yeah. We, you want to be with them all the time. Unfortunately, we all know they also have another side. They do. Um, so things changed for Zach in January of 2001 when they're deployed to Kosovo. So I did not know that much about Kosovo. And I'm very thankful for our podcast in this aspect because I feel like I have learned so much about so many things that I've just, not that I haven't wanted to know about, but it's just never had a place. No, I understand. Or a space for me to learn about it. Especially now. Like I said, I barely have time to read or do anything that I, for personal pleasure. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm always helped especially now with homeschool and everything with the kids, there's, there's no extra, there's no extra. And I know for you with work and everything else, no, you know, there is no free time really. It's a time crunch. Kosovo, it it was, uh, it's just eye opening. Mm -hmm. If you, if you ever go back and read it, I had no idea. No, I don't. So reading about it was very eye opening, but for Zach and his company, it was a peacekeeping mission. They were to uh, assist in Albanian humanitarian aid. Okay. They were excited to be doing something good. Yeah. They, they weren't worried. I could see that. You know, yeah. they weren't going into combat. He served as a gunner in a Humvee patrolling the capital borders. Things were very mild and mostly under control. Zach was known as a very hard worker, a dedicated soldier, but also, once again, jovial. He's known for his sing-alongs and trying to keep all of his fellow soldiers upbeat. Okay. I, I don't know. I think that's that's just says so much about someone. But things would change for them. Soon the 527th was assigned to bagging bodies of the Albanian oh. mass graves. And they were in direct contact with the hostile Serbs. That alone... Like I said, I had no idea the things that went on there. Mm-hmm. I'm not knowledgeable on that either. I cannot imagine that your mission is to be bagging mass graves. That's just sounds, my heart goes out to them. Uh, it sounds horrifying. So while Zach was deployed, he he suffers. This is one of the first of his severe losses. Okay. I guess is the best way I can describe it. He's away from home. He's missing his kids. And this kind of reminds me of my brother. Um, while he's on the streets, Zach gave a small a Albanian girl a piece of candy, which... Mm-hmm. Which is, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very common. Right. I mean, we used to send... I'm sure you did for your brother, too. We yeah. send things over there, just gum, pens, dice, whatever, cup crayons to give to the children. To show that they're yeah. friendly. Right. Yes. Uh, so he had given this little girl a piece of candy, and he had learned the next day that she was murdered by the Serbs for simply talking to an American. Oh. Zach took this really hard, and people noticed a change in, change in his attitude. Yeah. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Zach and Lana's marriage was also struggling. He was worried about her in New Orleans, working in the bars while trying to take care of the kids. He was also upset with her because he didn't understand why she didn't complete the necessary paperwork for her and the kids to live with him on base in Germany. He did not understand what was going on. But he couldn't just call her and say, Lana, Mm. what's going on? So he was, you know, that constant stress of worrying about what's happening. Well, I'm sure so many things go through your mind. Yeah, I so many things. I can't imagine that stress. On top of all of that, he had always had pain in his feet. So he had a size 17 foot and none of the army combat boots had ever fit him appropriately. So he had been squeezing his feet into these boots for months Mm -hmm. and he developed hammer toe, which required surgery. Okay. Because he could like hardly walk. So they don't make his size? 
Okay. It doesn't sound like they have size 17. Hopefully they do now. Hopefully they do now. Somebody needs to I can imagine it. going to war in shoes. Too small of shoes. I don't know how you get through the day. No. No. You were talking about your Peloton yeah. shoes were too small and they you're crying. Are. Could you imagine being in combat boots? No. no. That's really sad. That's awful. Uh, he ends up returning to New Orleans for a few weeks so he could recover after his surgery. Mm-hmm. And during that time, he filled out the paperwork to get Lana and kids to Germany. Okay. So there was a positive. Yeah, good. Lana did not do well adjusting to the lifestyle and base. Oh. I can't imagine how hard it has mm-hmm. it is. Well, again, it was a huge change for her. But I also kind of want to smack Zach for this one. He, I don't know what he was thinking. He, he, I imagine he's so young. He was trying to brag about like his hot wife. He showed his fellow comrades um, pictures of his dancing wife, her and her friends. Okay, I'm sure that's common. I want to say I don't. Not that I agree with it, but I'm sure that's very common over there. I think he was probably trying to brag, like she's gorgeous. Look at her. But nobody wants. Their husband hanging out with no, you know what I'm where I'm going with this. So the wives were not; they didn't want anything to do with her. Mm -hmm. That's really sad. Great. Now we have a stripper on base. This is just what we need. Exactly. Now you gotta watch your husband. I can only imagine how. No casseroles for you. Sorry. Mm -hmm. That is sad. No. Eventually, they were able to make friends with one other family in which they had hung out and had barbecues. Everything seemed to be more relaxed. Things were falling into place. Oh, good. But then 9-11 happens. Mm-hmm. And everybody knows things are going to change. Oh, yeah. Pretty quick. In January, the 527th 4th Balloon was deployed to Kuwait. So there was five platoons and Zach was in the fourth. Okay. And I didn't realize how this works, so... Bear with me. I, I'll try to explain it, but it's a little bit fragmented. I didn't. I didn't realize how as much as about the military either. So it's another another history lesson. Which yeah, I, no, it's good. During this time, um, Zach and a few other soldiers kind of don't really agree with what's going on, mm-hmm. and they start describing themselves as rebels. They don't believe that their weapons of mass destru- destruction exist. And they feel like they're being used as political pawns. Okay. I do remember. I remember a little bit of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't. So this is another. I asked my brother about stuff like this in the past. Because I would ask him mm-hmm. how he felt about certain things. And he would tell me he's not allowed to have feelings about that. It's not my job. Like there's people who mm-hmm. have jobs yeah. that have feelings about this. They make those decisions for us. And that's how we feel. And. Because they're on their mission, right? They're not... I get it because you... Right. You have to trust the people around you and know that everybody's on the same page and that you... You you know what I mean? Everybody's one mind and... Well, you can't be 100% in it if you don't believe it. Right. But at the same time, that's scary. Yeah. That you Sorry, you're choice. not allowed to have an opinion or think about this. Yes. Mm-hmm. It, it goes both ways. I can see where you have to have the appropriate mindset right. to be effective. Mm-hmm. You can't be... Do I believe this? Right. Can I count on you to have my back or not? I mean, look at our country trying to decide whether we believe our president or not. I mean, (gasps) people can't function in their day. Could you imagine trying to decide whether you thought Mm -hmm. this was a worthy war and you're in combat? Right. Well, no, it's right. We live in a society of fake news and cancel culture, and it's very scary out there right now. It is. So, yeah. So they travel from Kuwait into Iraq, engaging in active fire the entire time. The encounters were very stressful, and it's difficult to differentiate between civilians and enemies. The average citizen would be walking around carrying RPGs. Yeah. okay. So mm-hmm. the farmer or mm-hmm. the woman with her family walking down the street, you, you didn't know, know if they were a civilian right. or if someone who was going to blow you up. Yeah. Oh, that just, that's terrifying. It is terrifying. They also suffered supply shortages. Um, They were running out of water. Mm -hmm. But they managed to make it into Baghdad without any fatalities in their platoon. Wow. Okay. That's 
that says something. The, the, yeah. Mm-hmm. They were uh, a little relieved when they got to Baghdad because it are it was already taken over. And their job was to set up police stations and train the Iraqi police. Okay. Circumstances didn't seem bad. They were set up in one of Saddam's palaces, so they had running water, electricity, and even a room where they could watch movies. Oh. Their 527th Division was back together again. Because remember I said there was yeah. the different platoons, so they all took different routes, routes into Baghdad and okay. then met up. They're probably, yeah, to be strategic just in case. Yeah, and I, I'm sure they had to, like, neutralize areas, right, mm-hmm. as they were coming in. So the soldiers were feeling very positive. You know, they were there to help open schools, protect the people, help build the police force. It was very motivating. They are yeah. here to do good again. Okay, yeah. But morale would quickly fall when they discovered that there was political corruption in the police department. Saddam actually demanded the release of prisoners into the civilian population. Mm-hmm. And then there was obviously daily firefights to maintain control of the city. Things were getting very brutal. And as it turns out, Zach's surgery for his hammer toe was not successful. So he oh. is in so much pain. There's days where he can't even walk. Oh, that's awful. He ends up stationed to run operations in the palace, which he's very successful at. He even wins a medal for it. Um, He's known for keeping peace within the palace. At this point, there's more and more soldiers showing up, and they're running out of space. They were saying that soldiers hardly had three feet to themselves. Oh, okay. That's definitely Things are getting dire very quickly. right. right. He's, he's super stressed. He has all this guilt for staying back. He's not in active combat with his people. He starts referring to himself as the B.O.B. or the back office bitch. Now, he's feeling bad about himself, but his his fellow soldiers say he's good at his job. Like I said, he yeah. got an award. He's yeah. being recognized. But he still has guilt for not being out there. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, what, I that's what he's that. there for. Yeah, I understand that. You want to be out there helping your, your fellow men and women but at the same time like there's a need for what he was doing and if he's really good at it that sounds like it it was really beneficial though can you imagine if you and i were there and i was like you know what tara you're going out into combat today but i'm gonna stay here and make a plan for you yeah you would feel yeah i horrible just i don't know i on top of all this he gets a um he does get a promotion during this so he goes from um he gets promoted to sergeant okay yeah that's, yeah, that's that something too. So despite everything, he's still excelling. People are noticing he's doing a good job. But right after he gets his promotion, he re- he receives news from Germany that Lana is sick with hepatitis C. Oh. And she needs specialty medical treatment. So like these periods of treatment yeah. over days and weeks at a time. She's so sick that she can hardly take care of herself, much less the kids. And this has him stressing out, obviously, yeah. even more. He wants to go back to Germany to help take care of his family. They let him go back for a few days over the summer, but Lana wanted him to stay. So he was getting pressure from her to stay. She Mm -hmm. was not doing well mentally. She thought she was going to die and the kids were going to be alone. You know, he's in combat. She's sick. He asked to stay. The army won't let him. They won't budge. They, he has to go back. And this really changes Zach's view of the army and the military in a negative way. His attitude is changing. Alana's doctors even wrote letters to Zach's commanders. Okay, okay. Saying, like, this is this really, is really serious. Zach needs to be here. The Red Cross tried to get involved. Oh, wow. I don't know exactly what that process is, but they tried to get involved as well. Unfortunately, as we know, and being in the profession I am, they don't appreciate that. Mm, We told you what we need of you. Please stop. Mm, So he kind of got a little bit of flack for pushing kind of like our kids who get grounded. We said, Uh no, stop asking. Don't tell your sister to come and ask me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, stop trying to build a case. We said no. After all this is going on, Zach is back. On October 26, 2003, the 527th suffered their first female casualty during a mortar attack. Mm -hmm. 
Zach was very close with Rebecca Boswold. She's actually from Wisconsin. Oh, not too far from here. Yeah, no, very close. And he took this loss very personally. They were very close. From what I understand, they were both similar in the way that they were upbeat and would entertain the fellow soldiers. She was also only 19. She was just a baby. Mm-hmm. And she, she was, was like kind the of the little, little sister. sister. Yeah. Everyone was looking out for her. This was another blow for Zach. He was starting to get depressed and sad. And between losing Rebecca and worrying about Lana in Germany, he just wasn't in a very good place. Missing his kids, he developed a relationship with a small Iraqi boy named Rashid, who had a, his family had a store right across the street from one of the police stations they set up. Okay. Okay. Um, The boy would bring him cans of coke and ice for all the soldiers they were grateful to have them there they were keeping them safe in return uh zach was teaching him english but in september Mm. i know the look on your face i it's so hard to talk about Mm -hmm. i just can't imagine all of the sadness and loss that someone has to deal with in such dire conditions in September, insurgents blew up the store, killing Rashid and his entire family for helping the Americans. Oh, that's awful. That's just... Zach was never the same again. I can't. I'm sure. Uh, he returned to his family in Germany, but Lana says that she did not recognize the Zach that had returned. He was withdrawn. It's so sad because you distant. hear this so He was much. angry. He was just a shell of a person. Mm -hmm. She was worried that their family was falling apart, but no matter what she did, Zach just kept himself at a distance. He began suffering from headaches and shortness of breath. Both are early signs of PTSD. He had back pain. He he still had his foot pain. So the war had really taken a toll on him physically and mentally. Mm -hmm. Sounds like it. And the announcement in January of 2004... That there were no evidence of weapons of mass destruction was really the breaking point for Zach. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what everybody had been talking about, and they were trying to say... Yeah. Eh. Everything they had been fighting for, all of these losses, all of this pain. I'm sure he felt like it was for nothing. He lost all his faith. He was done with the military, and he made a plan to leave, to get out. Because you can't just be like, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Um, he purposely began to fail his PT test by not being able to do the required amount of sit-ups. Sit-ups? I don't know why he yeah. decided this was going to be his out, like why he chose sit-ups. I looked up what the Army physical fitness test consists of because I was very curious. Mm-hmm. And it says that there's two minutes of push-ups, two minutes of sit-ups, and a two-mile timed run. So maybe he just couldn't do the two minutes of sit-ups. I'm not sure. I'd be like, I can't run because of my foot. Or, I don't know. For me, sit-ups are the easiest of all of those. So I have a couple of different ideas Mm -hmm. on this. I almost feel like not doing the sit-ups was a fuck you. Okay. Yeah. I see that. You know, because it is the easier one. Like, like, you're just like, oh, I can't can't do it. Yeah. I almost think that. I don't know. But I also, um, this is the most up-to-date Army physical fitness test. I I couldn't find what it was for that year. So maybe it was a little bit different at that time of what was expected of them. I, I don't know. It sounds like his commanders knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm on to you, Zach. We're like, they're kind of like, I'm, come on. So he got repeated warnings. He got additional PT sessions. And they told him if this was continued, you'd be discharged. He was like, great. That's, that's what I'm going for. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Let's do yeah. this again tomorrow. Mm-hmm. He kept most of this from Lana. She knew that things weren't right. She knew he was having trouble with his PT test, but she didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. Why? She was very confused about that part. But like I said, he wasn't approachable. Finally, in the fall of 2004, Zach was discharged from the military for unsatisfactory performance. His company commander recommended an honorable discharge despite the recent events with his PT failures. Zach was known to be a dedicated and successful Mm -hmm. soldier who promoted the ranks. 
but in November, a 1st Armored Division colonel recommended that Zach receive a general discharge rather than an honorable discharge. By the way that you're saying that, it sounds like there's a big difference. I didn't realize that there is a big difference, so I have again, I have to figure yeah, it out. Yeah. And there, I couldn't tell you the difference, but there is, and it's really heartbreaking. From what I what I read is that depending on your level of discharge, it takes away some of your benefits. So oh. with the general discharge, you lose like life insurance, future education, home loan guarantees. Oh, stuff like that. Um, really the things that you need after the military yeah. to better your life. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I guess I had always thought it was either an honorable or a dishonorable discharge. I didn't know there was a There's general. A general. Yeah. And I read that some, depending on your career path, some people won't even consider you if you have. Because they feel like you did something a, wrong. I, and that's exactly what it says. If you look even, it up, it says that if you get a general discharge, mm-hmm. There's a blip somewhere in mm-hmm. your experience in the military oh. that caused this to happen. That's just so maybe the blip's not, what not disclosed, but the, yeah. the, something happened where you weren't honorable. All the shit that you have to go through, come on. And then just that final like kick. This was Zach was like, I, how do I keep saying he's in, he's in a bad place? Like it just keeps getting worse yeah. and worse. And yeah. now, so he goes home. Lana has no idea what's going on, and he says, we're done. I'm out. Mm. Lana had no idea what was going on. Yeah. She was very upset. And asked Zach what he was doing. We've made it this far. We made all these sacrifices for our family. You've been gone, and now you're just giving up on us? We can't go back to the life we had. I can't go back to stripping. You can't go back to practicing. This is not going to work. And then she said, I'm leaving you. I saw that one coming, too. You can only put up with so much on both sides. I think she felt like she made so many sacrifices to get to that place. She can't go back. That would be, that would be another huge blow. Oh, I just, (sighs) poor Zach. And I say that. I I'm, I know that he he's a murderer. He did terrible things. So I don't want to see seem overly sympathetic. But he has a story, and it can't just be his story. Yeah, there has to be many many other military members that suffer this way. I think this is definitely one of those things that needs to be discussed. Kind of like a lot of the cases that we choose, we choose them because there's a reason we want to talk about it. This needs to be talked about because a lot of these guys come back and they don't talk about anything. Zach didn't get any help. Mm -mm. Nowhere. I'm not surprised. So Lana decides that she's going to go back to New Orleans. She's going to find a place for her and the kids. So she leaves the kids in Germany with Zach. Now, in December of 2004, Zach and the kids arrive in New Orleans. Of course, she reminds Zach, I've moved on. Mm-hmm. They, when they get there, Zach is living in a hotel and Lana has the kids in an apartment. Zach is miserable. Lana is worried. Mm-hmm. He's not doing well. She suggests to him that they get an apartment. Okay, so she's like, I'm willing to try to help you, but we're still not together. We're not together. Mm-hmm. We're not reconciling. Well, good for but her, I'm though, about for, you. like, noticing that and trying to reach out to help. Yeah. He thought it was going to be easy to get his, to find his way back into the bartending business, but it wasn't. And he just I, wasn't feeling it? I he think couldn't. this just goes back to when I hear these stories of military trying to come back and rejoin what was once their normal mm-hmm. life. It just doesn't fit. It just feel doesn't right. fit. He... For one reason or another, it just was not working out. He actually ends up staying home with the kids in the apartment that Lana has for all of them while she works. So Lana's taking care of all of them. They're not together. But that, I mean, her love for him still, even though we weren't together, was was very genuine. She still wanted good for him. Oh, yeah. And for her kids. It, it definitely seems that way. It def- And the whole time you were saying that, too, I just, I'm picturing someone coming back from the military with everything that he went through, 
who you've matured beyond your years, well beyond your years and the things that you've seen and done. And then you to go back into a New Orleans type environment where people are just drunk and belligerent and stupid and having fun and having the time of their lives. And there's all these people who have no clue about sacrifice and that I can't even. Yeah. I think it's. So I get where, I mean, it might've been not that it's easier to go into another form of like an occupation. All these people are living carefree. Yeah. I feel like that would be the hardest to try to go back into. Yeah. I agree. And I, like I said, I think his inability to move back into his old life was just a really bad sign for any war veteran. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, that's one of the things that should be a huge red flag for us. Yeah. Zach finally manages to learn a gig at the graveyard shift at a place called Hogs Bar. And here is where he would meet Addie Hall. The only person in the bar not infatuated with Zach. Ah. She was a challenge. She was. So his big personality had gained him attention and affection of everyone. Everybody loves Zach because he's got that big mm-hmm. personality, yeah. you know. Eddie was a tiny 29-year-old with a huge explosive personality who couldn't stand Zach. <laughs> okay. Always annoyed with him. Mm-hmm. She was known for fighting with all of the female bartenders oh. in the bar. Eddie was complicated. She's like a rough firecracker. Very much so. She grew up in Durham, North Carolina, uh, to an army vet and a homemaker. She left high school without graduating and began to travel. Ah, here we go. I feel like everybody who ends up in New Orleans has been all over and just Mm -hmm. ends up there. Because it's so accepting, maybe. Maybe. I'm fascinated by that. Everyone can find somebody. Yeah. She ends up in New Orleans in 2002. And she lives in her car for a little bit before she finds an apartment. Oh, God. And she's alone. Yeah, I can't even imagine trying to live in your car. Right? I wouldn't have survived. How? So mm-hmm. she's a free spirit and a loose cannon. She's creative. She's a poet, a dancer, a seamstress. And she's perfect for New Orleans mm-hmm. and the French Quarter. She calls herself a quartetarian, I guess. There's like a term oh. for people who live in the French Quarter. Okay. But she also abused alcohol and cocaine, and mm. she was an angry, mean drunk. She was known for bar fights and toxic relationships, which even ended with her having a broken shoulder. Oh, sounds like Zach really should have maybe steered clear. <sighs> I know. So she loved the attention of onlookers, and you are going to, you know at least one of these people oh, yeah. in your life. So she would dance on the bar or do something to get the attention of maybe another man or, but then when they gave her attention, she would break a bottle over their head. Mm-hmm. Look, but don't you dare look. Yeah. Wow. You know, that, bipolar, you know that type. Right? She was bipolar. Uh, she was. It just sounds like it. It just yeah. sounds, that sounds crazy. She was the type of person who wanted people to watch, but when they were, then she was confrontational. What are you looking at? A, right. She had trouble keeping any roommate because of her personality. She was always bringing drug dealers into the apartment, trying to get them to help Mm. her rob them. Oh, God. I mean. It sounds like somebody that I would have accidentally become. You would have become her best friend. Yeah. Why won't anyone live with you? You're amazing. Come on in. You can Mm -hmm. be my roommate. And then. (laughs) Totally. And then before you know it, Mm -hmm. you're fighting a drug dealer. No. So, friends, she wasn't. She was also very superficial. She didn't have a lot of meaningful conversations. Friends uh, said that she was sexually abused as a child, and she was even hospitalized around the age of 13 because of the abuse. So there's obvious reason for her lifelong failed relationships and drug abuse. Mm -hmm. But Zach was just, he was awestruck of her. He was just infatuated. He would... Stay. He, so he would get off at 10 a.m. because he worked the graveyard shift, and that's when Addie would come in. So mm-hmm. he would sit around for a couple couple hours at the bar trying to get to know her. 
Okay. And eventually, Addie was like a mean flirt with, with Zach, right? Mm-hmm. So she would make fun of him, you know, tell him what an idiot he is, and he's stupid, and walks funny, and all this stuff. And he was like, bring it on. Any and he attention was like, is, is good, good attention. attention. <laughs> yeah, so he was like, she's looking at yeah. me. And just... She knows my name. Kept going. Yeah. And eventually, he wears her down. And by the by August of 2005, they're officially a couple and completely in love. Okay. But on the horizon is Hurricane Katrina. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'm going to leave you. Ah, I want more right now. Yeah, I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't go on anymore. Yeah, no. This the is whole actually, yeah. Hurricane Katrina thing is like a whole nother experience. Okay. No, I'm glad, I'm glad this is a two-parter like this because I, I don't want you to leave out anything. This is actually really... This is really good. I lo- I'm I think loving the story. I'm I think it's I mean, it's to know their backstory. Does that make sense? I know all of these stories are tragic and they have this, you know, but it's been really good to learn about some of the things that I didn't know. And I always, I appreciate that. Like what you were saying with Kosovo, that just sounds, but it's not something that I'd be like, you know what, I'm going to Google learn about Kosovo, Kosovo today. Yes. And it's not something I would normally no. say that I'm going to learn about. So. No. The fact that I'm learning about all these things intertwined in yeah. our stories is really enjoyable and tragic and sad. And sometimes I have guilt for not realizing the suffering that's gone on. But 100% agree with that. But at the same time, I'm not naive to what people are going through. And I, I feel like that's important, too. Yeah. So stay tuned for the second part. And yeah, I'll have. Do you a... have any questions? about? <gasps> Anything in the past? I have Anything so many upcoming? questions, but I need to wait. I think I need to wait until I hear the rest. Mm-hmm. And I need to think about it a little bit. But no, that was, that was really good so far. Okay. All so. right. Well, until, uh, until next time. Yeah. Until next time, hop on over and give us a review. I mean, we're five open stars. for five stars. <laughs> that would be ideal. Um, but we'd also love your feedback. Let us know what you think. Let us know if we... If we talk too much, because, you know, we're back and forth on that a little bit. Let us know what you want to hear. Send in some stories that maybe go along with some of the things that we're talking about or even don't. We just, we want to hear these stories. We want to hear from you. We we always love things like that. You know, I've got some interesting things to share in my next story that are just really funny things from back, my dad's days back in, on the force that I can share that are, you know, that you might get a kick out of. So things like that. Just we enjoy that and we'd love to share one once in a while at the end of our episode. So yeah, looking forward to hearing the rest of your of yours and you. ready to go back out into the freezing tundra. Yeah. Oh, Let's and find us. It. Um oh yeah, find us. Instagram. Facebook, Instagram, the Wicked Ones Podcast. And soon to be YouTube. Yeah, oh, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. All right. It's slow going. <laughs> <laughs> so right. take care, stay warm, and have a great rest of your day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.